Please turn your Bibles to 1 John chapter 4. Yes, we've made it into chapter 4, and uh, I don't know how long we're going to be here. So settle in and <laughs> get ready for all the things that are in this amazing chapter. We began it, uh, was it last week or the week before? I think it was last week, uh, and dealt with the first verse. So let me begin there. 1 John chapter 4 and verse 1, the Apostle John says, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits, whether they are of God. And now he explains what he actually means. He says, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. So he's saying, listen, I want you to test everything that everyone says. Everyone that claims to hear from God, be inspired by God to speak a word or to, to, to you know, uh, preach a message or anything else. He's saying you test everything that they say, where it's coming from. And remember again that we, we discussed the fact that in the early church, they had no issues with evil spirits and everything else. The book of Acts is full of uh, you know, incidents and also the gospels are just full of incidents when Jesus is casting them out and so on. And we're going to have a look at some of that today for a, a particular reason. But uh, the other thing that we looked at was Jesus himself was the one that warned them in Matthew 7.15 when he said, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. Notice again false prophets. Now what's interesting is when we get to the, uh, the epistles, in 2 Peter chapter 2 and verse 1, the apostle Peter writes something very interesting. He says, but there were, again I'm in 2 Peter 2 and verse 1, he says, but there were also false prophets among the people, even as there will be false teachers among you. Notice how he switches from false prophets to false teachers. Can I tell you what, what the, what, what's going on here? False prophets will stand up there and they will minister a word that is prophetic, but a prophet needs to teach as well. They don't just stand up there and prophesy all sorts of stuff. Prophets bring, uh, are meant to bring a message from God. Do you know what I'm trying to say? Okay, what teachers do is they take that message, break it down so that people can understand it. Are you getting this? Okay, so I want you to notice that the, the false teachers are the result of false prophets. And in fact, all the false prophets, at the end of the day, once they prophesy, they'll start teaching based on their prophecy. I've seen that happen in the positive way. You know, I, I, I know um, uh, uh, Kenneth Copeland, for example, you know, he will prophesy something and then he'll begin to teach on what the, the, the Spirit of God had said through him. And then he'll go and find all the scriptures and he'll begin to minister. Are you all with me? Now, let's say somebody that, uh, you know, and not Brother Copeland, okay? <laughs> call him brother. Anyway, okay, not Kenneth Copeland, but let's say it was somebody else that got up there, said something. <laughs> I, like, I like Andrew. You know, he said how the people were saying all kinds of funny prophecies. And there's one lady got up and said, yay, yay, even I, the Lord, am scared. You know, <laughs> he said, well, we know that wasn't God. Okay, <laughs> all right. But the thing is that if somebody prophesies from something other than the Spirit of God, I wanted to catch this, okay? And then they start to find scriptures and they teach stuff that isn't quite right. And you think, well, I remember clearly, to this day I remember, a person that came and ministered in a particular church that I was going to. And very charismatic individual, 
very fiery and everything else. And he was preaching and he preached on Abraham and he preached how Abraham thrust the knife into Isaac. And that's when God knew that Abraham was sold out to God when he was, when he killed his only son. Seriously. And the whole church, and I'm sitting there thinking, I don't think he killed his kid. But you know what was amazing? It was so convincing. It was said with so much fervor. And, and you know, there was, there was this, you have to believe this. That everybody, you know, I think everybody kind of thought maybe we'd always read that wrong. It's like one of those, you know, one, it's like dad's favorite, you know, the prodigal son. You know, every time he asks somebody who got the inheritance, they all say, oh, the prodigal son, the, the kid that wanted to leave. But when you read the Bible, it actually says both got their inheritance. Both kids got it. And you think maybe it's one of those things. Maybe I missed something. <laughs> you know, and I, I mean, I'm not kidding. It is incredible the influence that somebody like that can have on people. And if they don't know, hang on. It, but it's, that's not what's written. Forget about that, it is also written. That one wasn't written. You got the story right to a certain point. He was trying to make a point. But he was twisting the scriptures to make a point. So he was saying, well, uh, what are you willing to kill off in your life that's holding you back from... You see what I'm trying to say? And you start thinking, yeah, you know, there are probably a few Isaacs in my life I need to get rid of. You know, the Ishmaels are the ones you get rid of, not the Isaacs. You know, okay, amen, amen. But see how you can, you can go in there, and if you don't test the Spirit, the Apostle John is saying, don't be gullible. Just because they sound good, just because they might be charismatic, just because they might be very influential, just because they might have a lot of people following them, it doesn't mean that they're right. If spiritually something is off, stop, you know, you need to be able to discern the spirit from what you're hearing. Amen? Positive or negative? Are you all with me? Amen. The Apostle John says, be careful of things like this. And I want you to notice again, the Apostle Peter ties two together. And he says, but there were false, again in 2 Peter 2, 1, he says, but there were false prophets among the people, even as there will be false teachers among you. And he says, who will uh, secretly bring in destructive heresies. Notice they are heresies and they're destructive. I didn't preach on that last week. And I just think maybe I need to spend a little bit of time on this. He, notice he says they will bring in destructive heresies. Notice, number one, they are a heresy. They are not the word of God. And notice the num number two, they are destructive. They will not bring uh, peace to your life. And they will lead you astray. They will lead you to a place of destruction. What kind of destruction? It may be just that it destroys your faith and nothing in your life works. Amen. You know, there are so many ways you can destroy someone. You, doesn't, you don't have to kind of kill them off in a car crash. You can destroy them on the inside and there's nothing left on the outside. <clears throat> and he, again, he went on to say, even denying the Lord who bought them and bring on themselves swift destruction. Again, we looked at that, so I don't want to go over that part. All right, deception seems to be a thing that, that false prophets and false teachers come to do. Are you with me? That's why Jesus said, again, in Matthew 24, verses 4 and 5, Take heed, no one deceives you. He said, be careful. 
Be watchful. Amen. He said, don't just allow them to just say whatever and just, you know, lead you astray. He said, take heed. No one deceives you. And he says in verse 5, for many will come in my name saying, I'm the Christ and will deceive many. It's really sad that he says that people will be deceived. But uh, let me say this. They can only be deceived if they don't have the word. Amen. Amen. And uh, <clears throat> back to First John 4, 1 and he concludes, remember again, by saying many false prophets have gone out into the world. We talked about this before and we, we, we saw that there's a false teachers that have made the world their lecture hall. They're out there to deceive. And in verse 2 now, he goes on to say, by this you know the Spirit of God. So he says, listen, for as much as is out there trying to deceive you, I'm going to now tell you how to identify them. And I really need you to understand something here, that the Apostle John, in what he's about to reveal to us, this isn't about you just saying words. Okay, and I'll get to that a little bit later as well. This is all about false prophets, false teachers. Now, with regard to false prophets and false teachers, this is how you can tell when they're of God, when they're not. Okay, <clears throat> you understand what I mean as we, as we continue. So, again, First John 4 and verse 2, he says, by this, you know the Spirit of God. Notice he's saying, by this you know what? The Spirit of God. Okay, what is the Spirit of God? What is not the Spirit of God? Alright, so he says, by this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. Now you look at that and you think, okay, that doesn't say a lot. There's volumes in what he just said. My job, to, you know, pull it apart, okay? Unravel it for you. And verse 3, I'm going to read the first part of verse 3. They shouldn't have broken it up because it actually continues on to verse 3. Then there's a full stop. Then there's a second part of verse 3. So, <laughs> so we're going to deal with verse 2 and the first part of verse 3 because it's all one sentence. Then we'll deal with the latter part of verse 3, okay, at the end. All right. So let me read all of that. He says again, verse 2, By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that does not confess that Jesus has come in the flesh is not of God. You might say, well, whoopee. Okay. So, <laughs> all right. Let's look at this. Let's look at this. All right. As John MacArthur puts it, he says, Both the full humanity and the full deity of Jesus must be equally maintained by the teacher who is to be considered genuinely of the spirit did you get all of that okay the full humanity and the full deity notice he says confess that jesus christ jesus is the humanity christ is the deity the holy spirit testifies to the true nature of the son while satan and his forces distort and deny that true nature are you getting this now john accentuates the crucial importance of sound doctrine expressed in God's word, listen, as the only absolute and trustworthy standard. I really love that. Can I, can I break that up? John accentuates the crucial importance of sound doctrine, the rightly divided word. Remember that? Expressed in God's word as the only, can I say it this way, absolute standard and trustworthy standard. People say there are no absolutes. Yes, there are. In God, there are. In this world, there isn't. Well, actually, even in this world, there's something called absolute zero. 
It's zero degrees Kelvin. <laughs> you know? The English teacher, one, I remember an English teacher said, you can't say that <clears throat> there are no absolutes. And I said, but me, it's not. <laughs> That's how you get sent to the back of the class. All right? <laughs> okay. All right. So in other words, <clears throat> anything and everything that anyone teaches about Jesus Christ has to line up with God's word. See, <clears throat> what we need to understand is everything ultimately in here points to Jesus. Either something Jesus did so that we can have that, or something Jesus did so that we can re be redeemed from that. Therefore, all genuine teachers in verse 2, who are in fact inspired by the Spirit of God, will teach, or as a translator puts it now, confess. Do you understand what the word confess is now? He's not talking about confess the way we confess. He's talking about confessing the way somebody gets up and speaks to people. See, to, see, that's why, you know, Christianity, and we've misunderstood this phrase now, was called the great confession. It wasn't about confessing, 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 even though we do that. It wasn't about that. When we begin to understand what that word confess means, it was actually something that we, it was a good news that we couldn't shut up about. Do you understand now why it said that we, it was the great confession? People would get saved and they couldn't shut up about it. It was a great confession. They come and confess to their whole family, I'm a Christian and let me tell you why. And they preach for three hours. Sorry, Dad. And, and <laughs> so, so I want you to understand what this word confess actually means now. And the significance of it in this verse. So can I just put it to you this way? So in other words, he says, by this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit, I'm not going to use confessor, that teaches, that ministers. Are you getting this now? That Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. There it is. I'm going to talk about what that last bit means as well. Okay? And every spirit that does not minister, does not teach that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. Okay, so now that part of the verse is more clear to you. Can we get amen? All right. So let me reread this again. Therefore, all genuine teachers in verse 2, who are in fact inspired by the Spirit of God, will teach, or as a translator, translator has put it, confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh in accordance to the Scriptures, while all the false teachers in verse 3, who though they claim to be inspired by the Spirit of God, will actually deny that truth. Do you get this now? Okay, so he's saying, if you ever hear anything that is contrary to the word of God in this thing. See, there are a lot of people that dance around issues. You, you know, can I just say this? Be careful if somebody's preaching and Jesus never comes up. Just saying, they could be very social, they could be very uh, crowd friendly, you know, because people don't like to hear that word Jesus. So we can teach on all kinds of things. Except mention his name. Isn't it interesting? The Apostle John says, hmm, so where's Jesus in all of that? Amen. Amen. I'm, I'm just telling you. Okay. <clears throat> See, you will not be deceived. In Jesus' name. Amen. Now we heard Jesus so many times. Okay, right. <laughs> so I want to move on from this, but this is all important. I don't want to race through this. Okay. Now, as to what exactly each uh, is to teach or confess, I, Howard Marshall, explains that it is the reality of the incarnation. The fact that the Word became flesh. So this is the first thing. 
Okay? The reality of the incarnation, the fact that the word became flesh, and that there was a true union of the divine word. In the beginning was the word. We'll look at that in a minute. The son with a human personality in Jesus Christ. So the second thing they need to be preaching is there was a true union of the divine word, the son, with the human personality in Jesus Christ. Okay, so there was God and man. All God, all man. Not half-half, by the way. Okay? And finally, that the incarnation... This, this, is, this is incredible. Okay? The incarnation was not a temporary event, but the permanent union of God and man in Jesus Christ. We know this is true because in the Greek, John actually uses the perfect tense for the words has come. You know when he says, when he, uh, uh, when he says every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God? To indicate that Jesus not only came in human form, but that he is still, even now, listen, in heaven, just as much human as he is divine. Wow. Did you get that? Do you know he's the only person other than Elijah who got taken up in a whirlwind that actually has a body in heaven? Amen. He never let go. Do you know when he came back and took his body from the grave? He took it. You know, it didn't get left behind when he went up and go, Oh, Jesus, you forgot your body. Hello. <laughs> this is the body that ate. Remember, and when the disciples were gathered together and they were freaking out, and the doors were locked, that's, we know they're freaking out, and then suddenly he appeared and they went, ah! <laughs> okay, <laughs> all right? He came in a body. He didn't come in a spirit. Get this. That's why the Apostle Paul says in uh, 1 Timothy 2, 5, for there is one God, I never saw this, for there is one God and one mediator between God and men. Can I, can I get us to agree this is present tense? Right now? Then watch how we, what he goes on to say. The man. But he does something very interesting. He says, the man, Christ Jesus. This is very interesting because in biblical lore, hello Ari, okay. <laughs> Whenever you see Christ before Jesus, we are talking about his deity. Whenever you see Jesus before Christ, we, we are looking at his humanity, primarily. But watch what the Apostle Paul, he does this on purpose. He says there's somebody in heaven right now. That's why he says Christ Jesus. He says I'm referring to the person that is in heaven right now. Not the one that was down here with us. The one in heaven right now. And he says the man. Wow. Get it? Christ Jesus. He never left it. See, this is what he's saying. He's saying if anybody preaches anything other than that, it's not gospel. There is a person up there that still feels the way you feel down here. Let me tell you the, the reason for this. I wasn't going to, but I'll tell you. God's leading me in this direction, so I'll give it to you. <clears throat> Do you understand that the Bible says that he is easily touched with the feelings of our infirmities? How can he do that if he is God and has no um, connection to the human side of us? Watch, watch, watch this. This is something extraordinary I'm about to tell you. Because he is all man and all God and he never left the all man part. 
When we do something and we mess up and we go, God, you know, Lord, it's really hard. He goes, I know, I still have that part of me here. Jesus could have very easily said, well, that's enough. I've paid for all of their sins at the cross. I don't need to hang on to this body anymore. Hello. And just shed it and gone back to the way that he was in the beginning was the word. And the word didn't have a body. (laughs) Okay? Not like this. Do you get this? It's interesting. Somebody once ministered and preached that all through the Old Testament, we see Jesus coming as different, in different forms. As a pillar of fire and smoke and all sorts of things. And I, I, you know, I I tend to agree that that was him because he was protecting his people. It's a a very powerful image when you begin to understand that Jesus could transform and manifest himself. He was God in any way that he wanted to. And he gave all of that up to take on human form for the purpose of dying. We're going to, in fact, that's, that's what Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 14 says. It says, because God's children are human beings made of flesh and blood. I'm reading from the New Living Translation, Hebrews 2.14. Jesus also became flesh and blood by being born in human form, for only as a human being could he die. And only in dying could he break the power of the devil, who had the power of death. Are you all getting this? Amen. So he gave up all of that to take this on so that he could pay for our sins. So that he could come down here and teach us. So that he could heal the sick, raise the dead, show us how to walk on water, move mountains, get rid of any plants we don't want. (laughs) All right. Hey, you can go either way with that one. You can bring them alive. Okay. Listen, he came to show us what we were meant to be doing, what we were created to do. He didn't have to, you know, but because we had lost it all at the fall, he came back to reteach us all of this and then to pay that ultimate price so that we could be, as I said before, not reinstated back to our original position because that was taken, but take us to a higher position than we had ever been seated in heavenly places at the right hand of God in him. Far above all principalities and powers and rulers and everything else. Amen? Praise God. Now, that was the reason why he took on humanity. That's the reason why the Apostle John is trying to... Are you getting this now? He's saying if anybody preaches anything other than this, back off from it because it's going to take away from something that Jesus did. Amen? And by extension then, it's going to steal something from you and you won't be able to overcome the way that God had planned for you to overcome and be more than a conqueror because the doctrine is wrong. Amen? Okay. So, the way we can tell the true from the false is that, as Simon J. Kissimaka puts it, any teaching that professes the divinity and humanity of Jesus Christ has its origin in God. The opposite is also true. No utterance, however inspired. Thus saith the Lord. Maybe not. Okay. (laughs) Just because they're out of those words, thus saith the Lord. Don't just throw everything away and go, okay, talk to me. Tell me. I'm just an open book. I'm ready for you to put whatever in me. 
don't do that, please. When they say, that's said the Lord, we'll see if it's the Lord. Start talking. <laughs> hey, even the apostle Paul, man, he said, judge prophecy. Do you know why he said judge prophecy? Because there were false prophets. Get it? So that one thing you really need to judge. And the apostle Paul obviously did the same thing. He said, brother Paul, I have a prophecy. Let's hear it. Thus said the Lord. We don't care about that. Go on with the prophecy. Let's see if it's God or not. <laughs> Amen. Amen. I'm going to teach you guys and you're going to be just invincible. Praise the Lord. Okay. So again, he says, the opposite is also true. No utterance, however inspired, which denies the reality of the incarnation can be accepted by Christians as true prophecy. Do you understand what, why the incarnation now is so important? Because it's the man, Christ Jesus, up in heaven, being your great high priest. Hallelujah. He isn't some detached God. All those silly songs. God is watching at a distance. He doesn't know what you're going through. You know, all that stuff. Okay? <laughs> okay? Man, he knows exactly what you're going through. He's been through it and he's got the scars to prove it. You think you had a bad day? <laughs> Amen? Okay? You know, whenever we talk about our bad day with him, he says, let me tell you about a certain day I had. Yeah, and it ended up in hell. For three days, and th the thing kept going. <laughs> okay. All right. <clears throat> I've run out of time. Let me just conclude with this. We'll have to pick this up next week. I'm sorry. Remember again that it was the Apostle John himself that brought out all of this in his gospel when he said in John chapter 1. I'm going to read verses 1, 14, and 17 and conclude here. He said, he's the one that said, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. There is his divinity. Okay? He was God. Alright? Verse 14. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. What's that? His humanity. So we see his deity. See how well this is written? His deity and then the deity became humanity. But didn't give up his deity. He's still God, but he took on flesh. And we, it says, and we beheld his glory. The glory as of the only begotten of the Father. Watch the next few words. At the end of verse 14, it says, full of grace and truth. When we jump down to verse 17, we know who we're talking about. Because it says in verse 17, for the law was given through Moses. Watch, but grace and truth. Remember that? Full of grace and truth. But grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. So now we see the connection between the word, flesh, and who that flesh was. It was Jesus Christ. And notice Jesus is the flesh and Christ is the word. Amen. The humanity and the deity. Amen. So do you understand? The Apostle John let us know right at the beginning in his gospel. And that's why he's saying if anybody preaches anything other than this gospel. You be careful. Because they're out to destroy you. And they're bringing destruction on themselves as well. Remember Peter said that. Uh, remember? Amen. Amen. Now, we, when we come back, we'll move on to Philippians chapter 2 and verse 6 and look at Jesus as God and discuss some amazing things there as well in light of what the Apostle John is talking about. Let's have every head bowed, every eye closed. I don't want to read all that because if I read it, I'll preach it. <laughs> thank you, Lord. Well, Father, we just thank you. Thank you.